before the Lord saved him. He was then searched after God saved him. Now I want to read verse 23 and 24 where the psalmist now requests the Lord to search him. The first searchings were involuntary. Now the last one is voluntary. It's requested. And this is this shows a maturity in David. Verse 23, he says, Search me, O God. The, read verse 1, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. It already took place. Verse 23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Now I want you to observe here that the psalmist David, this 139th psalm, a tremendous psalm, David here describes the Lord and he describes how that the Lord knows him and he's very familiar with him. You go through this psalm and the Bible reveals unto us all the things that the Lord is. You, you notice here in uh, verse 7, Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. He describes here how that the Lord is everywhere. He, you notice down here, go a little further. Verse 15, My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. And I'm sure by now you've all seen and have observed, you know, how that babies, you know, they're formed in the mother's womb. And the seed, the male seed, hits the female egg, and it, and all the process begins, and, you know, I remember... All our kids, oh, your baby's as big as, you know, this piece of fruit and that piece of fruit and these things are forming and that things are forming. It's real neat. And they'd send you pictures. You know, Cassie had an email. And then when we were uh, had the chickens, you know, and we'd hold the chickens up and you'd do a flashlight, you know, I think they call it candling. And you'd hold it up, you know, and you'd look at the egg and you could see the chicken through the shell. And how big it was and how it's forming and different things of that nature. And it's a very interesting thing. Well, before all that happened, the Bible tells us here, My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret, and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, not fully put together, not fully made, not matured, not having been formed. 
And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. In God's book, they're already written, that they hadn't been fashioned completely. Isn't that marvelous? And so David comes to the conclusion, he says here, verse 17, How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I wake, I am still with thee. So this is, this is David as he thinks through this, as he thinks about how God is searching him and how God has searched him. And we've noted how that the Lord does this and how He goes through and He examines us and He knows us and it's an experimental, intimate knowledge of the lost as well as the believer. And now the psalmist, he comes and he asks God, he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. Now what is the purpose of this? What is the purpose that David that you and I who are children of God, that we should ask such a question as this. Why are we inquiring of this? Why should we say with David unto the Lord, search me and try me, search my heart, know my heart, know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Why should we do such a thing? Well, the first thing is, is because we don't know our heart and thoughts. Right. Amen. That's just simply the way it is. I, we read this before, but I, it bears repeating. Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah chapter 17. This is why no true child of God should ever should ever tell anyone to follow their heart. Amen. You should never tell someone, well, follow your heart. Because it is simply horrible advice. Amen. Observe here now, in Jeremiah 17 and verse 9, the Bible tells us, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, who can know it? So that's why we need to what? Ask the Lord to search our hearts. To know them. He further says, I the Lord search the heart, I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways, and according to the fruit of his doings. God will not be deceived. Man will be deceived. But not God. And so David the psalmist, he says, I'm going to inquire of the Lord. Look, the Lord knows all about me. He's been there. Here's his thoughts. If I do this, if I do that, if I go here, if I go there, here's all of his thoughts toward me. Great is the sum of them. 
He's known all about me from the very beginning. He was there when I was formed. So let me ask Him to search me. One writer said this, and I thought this was so good. I normally do not read or quote, especially some of these old writers, because then you have to kind of change it to our modern, modern vernacular. Because sometimes you go, I, well, how's that going to read to today? But this was so good. Listen. There may be within us awakening and arising to power some wicked way, some evil habit, some strong craving, which if not eradicated or subdued, will gain a mastery over us and will destroy us. Or, if not that, there may be within our heart or in our life some distinct imperfection or inconsistency which goes far to diminish our worth and to nullify our influence for good. Do you understand what he's saying? <coughs> Didn't that happen to David? <coughs> Didn't he have some things in him that nullified his influence for good? You ever have something in your life that maybe nullified your influence for good? Nothing. Maybe you did some things that maybe you had some uh, some uh, people thought highly of you or, or people did this, that, or the other and then uh, uh, they found something out about you that wasn't, it was true and it wasn't really good and maybe then you lost some influence over their lives. David says unto the Lord, search me, O God. See if there be any wicked way in me. He goes on and he says this. We do not know ourselves. We may be making a very serious, if not fatal, mistake about ourselves. I thought that was something else. We could be making a fatal mistake. We might be assassinating our own character. You know, you might not kill yourself, but you can kill your own character. You can kill your own name. You can destroy this church it's, it's character and it's name. I, for the life of me, I cannot figure out how people follow some of these television evangelists other than the great deception. But logic alone would dictate 
you would think. But you have to be searching yourself. And you have to ask the Lord. And so the psalmist, David, as he's leading this great kingdom, he's got a family, he's got wives, unfortunately he has wives, plural. He's got children. He's got a kingdom that he's over, that he's leading, and he has great influence over the whole nation, doesn't he? And he lost it once as, as they followed his son Absalom. If it weren't for the Lord, he would have lost it completely. But I want you to notice here that he says, Search me, O God, and know my hearts. Try me and know my thoughts. So are our thoughts... Are there any wicked ways in our thoughts? Are there strong cravings that need to be eradicated or subdued or that might be getting the mastery over us? That there might be something that would destroy us? Boy, that's a, that's a tremendous thought, isn't it? So he calls on the Lord. And he says, see if there be any wicked way in me. Now, <clears throat> I want you to observe that in verse 24. Because I think this is a great line of thought. There are many people who will never have to pray this. Because they have not reached this level of maturity. Spiritual maturity. Because he says, see if there be any wicked way in me. I don't have to ask God to see if there be any wicked way in me. I already know there is. I'm dealing with some things right now. Wicked thoughts. Wicked inventions of the heart. No doubt you may be as well. But the point that I'm getting after is that David here is, we sing that hymn, Higher Ground. You know, Lord lift me up as well. Set my feet on higher plane. He's walking on a higher plane here and he cries out unto God to search my heart. Here we find that he requests of God to inquire, to look, to know him, to try him, to test him. Again, all the things that we have said before, he, he now invites the Lord in. 
And all of this is for the purpose that goes to verse 24. This is the end. This is the purpose of verse 1. And it concludes here in verse 24. If you're here and you're without Christ, this is the end of why Christ searched you and tried you. If you're here and you're saved, this is why after you're saved, Christ comes and He searches you with His Word. Through the preaching here in this very pulpit, and His Spirit, after you've gone home and He troubles you and He tests you, this is the trials that you go through in your daily life to bring you to His Word, to put you on your knees, to pray, to cry unto Him. Everything is to put you into this, verse 24, and lead me in the way everlasting. That's what it all is for. And the way everlasting. It is to put you back in that way. Now I'm told that this means the way that leads to everlasting life or the good old way, the way that endures, the way of righteousness. The Bible tells us in the Gospel of Matthew 5 and verse 6 that there are those who th hunger and thirst after righteousness. David is one who hungers and thirsts after righteousness. Those who are saved hunger and thirst after righteousness. He's craving it. God, search me. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the path of righteousness. I'm hungering and thirsting after it. I want to be in that path. I want to be on the straight and narrow. I want to walk in the holy pathway. I know it's difficult. I know it's not going to be pleasing to the flesh. But that's the way I want to be. I know it's going to offend other people but I know it's going to be pleasing to you. That's the way I want to go. And so all of this is done from the first searching of searching out them that are lost. God coming to you and saying, Thou hast missed the mark. Thou hast sinned and come short of the glory of God. From that first searching, from thou art, thou art weighed in the balances and thou art found wanting. From that first searching, when God tells you that thou art not far from the kingdom of God. That when you come and he says... Bring forth fruit, meet for repentance. From that searching, when he does that searching, and then after he saves you in Christ Jesus, when you come to him, through Christ and He accepts you in the Beloved 
And he searches you time and again and time and again and time and again. When he puts you in the fire and he pulls you out and he purifies you and he purifies you and he purifies you and he purifies you again till he sees his face in you. Over and over and over again. And you cry out, and it'll be multiple times, depending on where you're at. And you say, search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me, so that you'll lead me in the path of righteousness. And when you walk in that path of righteousness, it'll be glorious. Because you're going to be walking with Christ. You'll be in sweet fellowship with him. That's what all of this searching is for. That's the whole point of it. To put you and Christ together in a path of righteousness here on this earth. Walking in the straight and narrow, as has been said for many, many decades, many, many centuries. So are you here this morning and without Jesus Christ? Then you need to come to God through Him. Amen. You need to be saved. You need to surrender everything over to Him. Say, how do I do that? Cry out, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He knows that you're a sinner. You're not going to surprise him. You're not going to surprise anybody here that you're a sinner. And believe that Christ died, was buried, rose again to pay for your sin debt. There's only one sacrifice that God has accepted and that is the sacrifice of Christ at Calvary. He said this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. That's it. He hasn't accepted anything else. He doesn't accept your works. He doesn't accept your goodness. He doesn't accept anything else except for Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's it. And then, we who are saved, may we walk with Him. Have that sweet fellowship with Him. 
casting all our cares upon him. For he careth for you. While we stand, as the song leader and the pianist come, we invite you to we invite you to come and share what the Lord's laid on your heart. If the Lord's spoken to you, what number shall we say? Two hundred and twenty-one in your hymn.